You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreit is on the episode five forty-four of the podcast. Yeah. This week, America, the Outdoor Sports Podcast. It is Monday, June thirteenth, two thousand twenty-two. People. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody's having a great day. I hope everybody's ready for a loaded episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. And if my voice sounds better, it's because it is. Last week was a little bit of a tough week, but here is the good thing. I am a glasses half full guy. Last week was not very good for the old vocal cords, but here's why I bring it up. It is because I spent all weekend resting, relaxing, and watching college baseball. I got a lot of college baseball stuff to get to off the top here. First of all, Tennessee loses the number one team in the country, the most hated team in the country. They're the bad boys of college baseball. But when they lost, a funny thing happened. Every single person that follows the sport has an opinion on it. I tell you why Tennessee is officially. They're the Duke basketball, the UConn women's basketball of college baseball. You watch, you love them, you hate them, but they matter. From there, we continue the conversation with college baseball because I'll tell you, I had this thought. Is it at all possible that college baseball, one day the college baseball tournament could become as big as March Madness, the NCAA tournament. That I don't know, but this sport is continuing to grow. I think it's the most underrated sport, and I discuss if it can actually one day get to be as big as the NCAA basketball tournament. From there, we'll take a quick break, and I do want to come back, and I do actually want to talk a little NBA draft. As crazy as it sounds, we are 10 days away now from the NBA draft. We are 10 days away from lives changing forever, and I am getting one question more than any other. Shaden Sharp, would you draft him? How high would you draft him? What do you make of Shaden Sharp? And I'll tell you, I have some very interesting things. I was at Pangos All-American Camp last week uh, talking to NBA people all weekend long. They had some interesting things to tell me. I am going to share what NBA people think of Shaden Sharp. So Shaden Sharp at the end of the show, college baseball to begin, which speaking of which, by the way, Congratulations as I record here. I'm waiting for my UConn Huskies. The game is not over yet, but it feels like it's just about over here. But four teams have advanced to Omaha. Uh, Congrats to the Texas A&M Aggies, to the Arkansas Razorbacks, to the Ole Miss Rebels, to the Oklahoma Sooners. Again, my Huskies will play on Monday. A couple other games are still up in the air as I record here. Texas East Carolina are coming back onto the field after a lengthy delay. Uh, Oregon State, Auburn later in on Sunday night. So we may have one to two more teams advancing to Omaha by the time you guys listen to it, to this show. But congrats to Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Oklahoma on advancing to the College World Series. Speaking of which... Let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, you know, one thing I will say about myself, okay, and I am far from perfect, so this isn't like one of those moments in time where I'm going to pat myself on the back and tell you how amazing I am, but one thing that I do think that I do pretty well when it comes to myself, my career, this podcast, what we talk about, I think I'm pretty smart at knowing what I am good at, what topics I am interesting on, and what topics I really just don't know a ton about, right? Like, like you know, I, perfect example last week. Last week was basically the second time, I think, on the history of this podcast that I have ever talked golf. We talked a little live golf because I find the topic absolutely fascinating, 
But I'm smart enough to know, like, the day after the Masters, if you want hardcore golf coverage, I am not your guy. And so the, the reason I bring all this up and what I do well and what I don't do well is that one thing that I have promised you guys and girls through the years, as I have increasingly started to enjoy college baseball more, one thing that I've promised you, I'm not going to be the guy that watches two weeks of college baseball and comes on this show and claims that I know everything there is to know about the sport and starts spitting out college baseball hot takes. One thing I can promise you, I will never come on here and talk about, well, you know, Arkansas's bullpen, you know, they match up really well versus North Carolina's this, and if Texas A&M can do that, watch out for them against Virginia Tech. That's not who I am. That's not what this show is about, and it never will be. And as a matter of fact, one of the reasons that I love college baseball so much is because I know that I know nothing about it. So I can sit back, I can watch, I can enjoy as a fan, which I really have over the last two, three, four weeks, and we might get into that a little bit after this Tennessee topic. But I, I, I know that I don't know college baseball. And I know that like this is never going to be a show where I just come on and spit out college baseball hot takes. But with that said, something did happen on Sunday that was so interesting. And you guys and girls reacted so strongly to it that I realized that I did have to, in fact, talk about it on today's show and give a little bit. I don't think it's a hot take. I think it will be an interesting conversation. But on Sunday, the number one team in the country, the Tennessee Vols, got knocked out of the college baseball NCAA tournament. They got knocked out one, short, one, one win short of going to the College World Series. They were eliminated at the hands of Notre Dame at home, Lindsey Nelson Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee. But why I'm talking about it is because of how all of you guys and girls that are not Vols fans reacted. Because you danced and celebrated and, and, and jumped for joy when Tennessee lost. And that is when I realized something. Yes, Tennessee lost, but Tennessee is actually the best thing for college baseball. They're great for college baseball, and your reaction told me how important they are to the overall ecosystem of the sport as a whole. So let's get into it, and the question becomes why. First of all, most of you, I'm sure all of you really, are like me in that if you follow college baseball at all, it is a very seasonal thing. It's not a, you know, you're not watching the first pitch of the season to the last pitch of the season in the postseason. You kind of pick it up maybe after basketball, maybe in the middle, late April, into May, June, whatever. But the one thing you need to know more than anything about this current college baseball season, the 2022 season, is that essentially from the second that the first pitch went out, Tennessee's been the best team in the country. They went to the College World Series last year, they brought back a lot of guys, and they have been dominant this year. SEC record 12-0 start to conference play. The SEC is the best conference in all of college baseball, 12-0, best record ever to start conference play. They won the SEC regular season title, which again, remember, SEC is the best conference in college, college baseball. They won the SEC tournament title. They entered the field as the number one team in the field. And again, as I said, they lost on Sunday to Notre Dame to knock themselves out of the college baseball tournament. But if it was just them being good and just them losing, I wouldn't be talking about them. Why they are so fascinating, though, is because, to be blunt, they're a bunch of jerks. And not only are they a bunch of jerks, they own being a bunch of jerks. Over at uh, AT Media, you know, the company that I run, we started calling them the bad boys of college baseball. Because you know all those unwritten rules in baseball that everybody has? Tennessee literally breaks every, all of them every single time that they step on the field. So here are a few things that Tennessee did over the course of this season, okay? First of all, they just love pimping home runs. You know how you're supposed to like hit a home run, uh, put your head down, run around the bases, act like you've been there before? Tennessee does not do that. They throw the bat, they puff their chest, they pound it out, they start huffing and puffing, they start yelling and screaming. That's what they do. Uh, they flip bats like I just said. Their coach, Tony Vitello, Oh, he got ejected for chest bumping an umpire earlier in the end, earlier in the season. By the way, in game one of their Super Regional this weekend against Notre Dame, Drew Gilbert, one of their best players, got ejected for call arguing balls and strikes. The pitching coach got ejected for sprinting out of the, the, the dugout and arguing with him. One of their players gave the middle finger to somebody during a game last week after he got a big hit. They wear fur coats in the dugout. I mean, this is, again, like I said, this is literally every single cliche, every single uh, unwritten rule in baseball, Tennessee breaks them. But here was the crazy part and the frustrating part for the other 13 SEC fan bases and the people that care about college baseball. 
they kept winning this year. They kept winning. They kept dominating. They kept beating the teams that they were supposed to and some of the teams that they weren't. And it absolutely drove everybody crazy. They didn't act a certain way. They didn't do a certain thing. They didn't they weren't the team that, you know, even Phil Elson said it on this show a few days ago. Phil Elson's my buddy. He covers Arkansas. He said Tony Vitello comes from Arkansas. The Dave Van Horn, Dave Van Horn is the, uh, uh, the coach, the manager of Arkansas, said we, we celebrate in the dugout. We do things our way. They do not do it their, that way at all. And so it's been a frustrating thing for college baseball fans. Like, these guys keep winning. Bunch of jerks. At least until this weekend when, as I said, they fell to Notre Dame in the Super Regionals two games to one. Tennessee lost the first game. That's the game that, as I just said, Drew Gilbert, one of their star players, got ejected along with the pitching coach. Game two, they absolutely dominated. Game three, they were actually in pretty good shape. They were up three to one late in the game, gave up six runs in one inning. I think it was the bottom, the top of the seventh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and Notre Dame goes into Lindsey Nelson Stadium and gets the win. But to show you, and this is what I'm talking about, to show you how much Tennessee is hated, It wasn't just that they lost. It was that other fan bases really reveled in just how much this loss meant for Tennessee and how frustrating it was. Here was was some of the reaction when Tennessee lost on Sunday. Okay, so I put out a tweet on social media at Aaron underscore Torres. This is what I said. I want to read you some of the responses. Congrats to Notre Dame on advancing to Omaha. That's obviously the College World Series. Also, I feel bad for Tennessee and its fans. Best team in college baseball all season. Fall one win short of Omaha. College baseball is a cruel sport. Being the number one overall seed is officially a curse. For people who don't know, the number one overall seed in the tournament has not won the College World Series since 1999. So that's what I put out. I thought it was pretty harmless. Here were some of the responses from other fan bases in college uh, college baseball. Hornet Hog, who's obviously an Arkansas fan, sent me a tweet that said, Why do you feel bad for them? They deserve this serving of humble pie with their antics all season. An undisciplined team will never succeed under pressure, period. Blue underscore Ridge underscore Hike said, You might be the only guy that feels bad for that fan base. They embraced actions all year that crossed the line. Baseball God spoke today. And James Willis said, America won that game. No one wanted to see Tennessee in the World Series. And so if that doesn't tell you, the emotion that Tennessee baseball creates in the sport, nothing does, but it also shows you something that we have talked about on this show so much. Tennessee is good for college baseball because they create emotion in everybody. And this has really been a big topic on this show for whatever reason over the last two, three, four months because we've talked about it a ton across different sports, right? Jimbo Fisher signs the number one recruiting class in college football. I don't think he intended to be a villain, But he's frustrated, he's yelling, he's screaming, he called out Lane Kiffin a few months ago, he called out Nick Saban certainly over the last couple weeks. He's a college football villain, but now again, Texas A&M is officially, like they are a team now that in college football you're going to watch on a Saturday. They just signed that number one recruiting class and you're going to sit there and say, I either want them to win because I'm an Aggie fan or I want them to lose. I hate those guys, I hate the way they handle themselves, I hate what Jimbo said. But he creates emotion. I think that's good for college football. Same, by the way, with Lincoln Riley. I've been very outspoken about what I think Lincoln Riley may or may not have done to get Jordan Addison into the portal. Well, guess what? Jordan Addison's a Trojan now. Lincoln Riley's a Trojan now. Caleb Williams is a Trojan now. And now they got that target squarely on their back. I don't think Lincoln Riley took the job to become a villain, but he is one. And you're going to watch USC because you want to know, is this Lincoln Riley guy going to fall flat on his face? Is he going to be awesome? How much of his success at Oklahoma was because of Bob Stoops? Can he do it at USC? But you're going to watch to find out. Women's college basketball. What's, what was the old women's college basketball saying? UConn women's basketball is bad for the sport of women's basketball because they win too much. But you tune in to see them. You tune in to see them win or you tune in to see them lose. It's the same now with Tennessee baseball. You might not like him. You might hate those fur coats. You might hate Tony Vitello. You're mad that he only got three games for chest bumping that umpire. Why did the pitching coach run out of the dugout? Who the hell does he think he is? But I'll tell you what. Based on my social media, you tuned in on Sunday to watch them and to watch them lose. And so, obviously, look, I I feel bad for Tennessee fans. We're going to get into it in a minute. But when you talk about growing a sport, when you talk about a sport becoming mainstream, 
you need people that create emotion to get the casual fan in. And maybe the best example, I just talked about Lincoln Riley and Jimbo Fisher and Gino Oriema. The best example I can think of is one that I talked about a lot in March. And that is Coach K and the Duke Blue Devils. I talked about it on this show quite a bit. I said, look, I am far from a Duke fan. And don't get me wrong. Part of me enjoyed every second of watching North Carolina take down Coach K in the Final Four to end his career. I did. I mean, it it was unbelievable. But at the same time, what I also realized in that moment was the biggest villain in college basketball is now gone, and college basketball lost a little bit of its luster without Coach K. We can still root against Duke, but we've been rooting against Duke for 40-plus years. What is it? 43 years. And it's because of that dude on the sidelines with the jet black hair. The guy that's won a lot and he's made weird, you know, he's done the weird faces and he does this and he does that and we don't like his players and we don't like Grayson Allen and Steve Wojciechowski and Christian Leitner and whoever. But we tuned into Duke because we either love Duke or we wanted to see him lose and that is what I believe that Tennessee has brought to college baseball and I think that is a great thing for college baseball. Now, let me wrap by saying two things. One, first of all, I actually do feel bad for Tennessee. I know I'm the only one, but I think we're all fans, and we've all had a moment in time where a team that we root for, it appears to be they are the best team in their sport. It is their year. It is their moment, and they fall flat. I know we have some Arkansas fans that listen to this show. Who was the number one seed in the college baseball tournament last year? It was Arkansas. They fell short of the College World Series. Obviously, I know we got Kentucky fans that listen. Kentucky, (laughs) you don't need me to bring up 2015 and the crushing moment in time that that was. And listen, to be clear, I'm a UConn fan. I've lived through that. I don't know if I've ever told this story on the show. The most crushing loss in my entire life as a fan was the UConn 2006 loss to George Mason. Now, UConn had won a national championship two years before, but I was not on campus at that point. I'm on campus in 2006. UConn basketball that year had a little bit of um, Tennessee baseball vibes this year where they were by far the best team all year. I think I've told this story, but I still vividly remember watching ESPN's selection show and every single person on set picked UConn. That was the year that they had Rudy Gay and uh, Hilton Armstrong and Marcus Williams. and They had four first-rounders, five draft picks overall, most notably Rudy Gay. And they lost to George Mason in the Elite Eight. And so, Tennessee fans, I know you don't want to hear it from me, but I know what you're going through. I lived it in 06 when we had by far the best team in the country at UConn, and we fell short. By the way, the Florida Gators won the national championship that year, first of back-to-back with Joe Kim Noah. So I get it. I also, I should say, I know it's not going to make me popular here on uh, you know the Air Tours podcast feed, I do feel bad for Tennessee, man. Like, 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 this was the year, this was the team. And we know it's been a tough couple years for Tennessee, and I'm not going to relitigate and talk about everything uh, that has gone wrong for Tennessee athletics over the last 10, 12, 15 years. But I've, to- I've said it before on this show. When I was growing up, Tennessee was dominant in football. First couple years I watched college football were the years Peyton Manning was at Tennessee. They dominated college football. They didn't win a national championship till 98. But... Every single year, they were whatever it was, 10-1, and 11-1, 11-1-1. I can't remember all the years now, but big, ga- big bowl games, SEC East, SEC Championship games. Hasn't been the same. Obviously, in basketball, we know what's going on with Rick Barnes. Really good program that always falls short in crunch time in March. The women's program has stepped back a bit, and this baseball team was supposed to be that team for Tennessee Athletics. They fall short, and as I said, I know nobody feels bad for Tennessee except for Tennessee fans and me, but I do feel bad. But at the same time, by the way, got to give credit where it's due. Congratulations to Notre Dame, older veteran team, goes on the road to Knoxville, takes two out of three, and now Notre Dame is going to their first College World Series.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In 20 years. All right. One last thought on uh, on college. Uh, one last thought on college baseball, and then we'll move on to the basketball and football stuff. But but first of all, can you forgive me? I am really into this college baseball tournament. I am really enjoying it. I promise we will not talk more college baseball than we do on this show. But just give me today to enjoy college baseball and talk about it because I have one more thought before we wrap. And again, we'll get to basketball. We will get to NBA draft stuff. And then we'll wrap this show, and I promise, the next couple shows we'll get back on track with the stuff that we normally talk about, whether it's NFL, college football, college basketball, whatever. But when I think about college baseball, and I think about college baseball in just the landscape of society in general, over the last couple days, I I, I couldn't help but think one thing, and again, about college baseball, but really about where we are as a society. And as a society, I really don't think there's all that much that's really underrated at this point, right? Because like, if it's underrated, people immediately start talking about it, and then it becomes properly rated, and then generally probably a little bit overrated. There's a great show on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime or Amazon Plus or whatever. You hear about it, then somebody else hears about it, then everybody hears about it, and then by the time you get to it, this is the, this is the great show that everybody's talking about? It was so underrated that it became properly rated that it became overrated. Because that's the world that we live in. We live in a world, and I think I talked about, I don't even know, all these shows run together. But we live in a world where if you want literally any meal at any point, you could just get it. It's called Uber Eats. I want Chinese food now. I want pizza for dinner. I want a salad for breakfast, which is kind of a weird breakfast request, but whatever. You get it. And so we live in a world where we have so much of everything all the time coming at us that it's impossible for anything to be underrated. And I think it's kind of the same in sports, right? I mean, college football, I don't even think I'm that old, but I remember days where there was like one game on at 3.30 and one game on at 7.30, and to, to quote my old girlfriend that was a teacher, you get what you get and you don't get upset. If you're a Tennessee fan and, and you get stuck with Florida, Florida State, you're stuck with Florida, Florida State. Well, now think about the world that we live in in sports where you literally get any game you want at any given time that you want. You're a college football fan. You turn on that TV at noon Eastern on a Saturday in September, October. You're getting a game on ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, SEC Network, Big Ten, Fox, FS1, CBS, NBC, CBS Sportsnet. I just listed 10 networks off the top of my head that are going to have Big Ten Network, I think I didn't even say. 10, 11 networks at any time that have any game that you want, and it's the same with pretty much everything in sports. You a Kentucky basketball fan? You live in Seattle. You don't have to live in Kentucky to watch every Kentucky basketball game. You can live in Seattle, never miss a minute. You can live in Kentucky and be a Seattle Mariners fan and never miss a a pitch of the Mariners. It's unbelievable the world that we live in. And so many of you are probably sitting here saying, what does this have to do with college baseball? And it's that I really do think that college baseball just might be the only sport in the American lexicon as we speak that remains underrated 
Although I do believe that it is becoming more mainstream by the year, and I do believe that this was the year that I think it kind of sort of went mainstream, but I still believe that this is an incredibly underrated sport. Now, to be clear, I understand where it fits in the hierarchy of, uh, of the sports landscape, and I understand that in the same way that I love college basketball, yes, I'm switching to basketball now, I understand that college basketball is never going to be super mainstream. I understand I'm never going to turn on first take and, and Stephen A. Smith, and I think we were talking about this last week with Phil Elson, Stephen A. Smith's never going to lead first take with, um, you know, Duke beat Georgia Tech, let's talk about it. And it's the same with college baseball. I understand that in the grand scheme of things, college baseball is still very, 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 very niche, uh, but I do think it is growing a little bit. But I think that's okay. You know, it's funny, right? I, I go back to a conversation I had with Colin Cowherd. I was on his podcast during the NCAA tournament. And we were talking about the NCAA tournament. This is the basketball tournament I'm talking about now. And I remember talking to Colin. And I said, Colin, I, I think you like college basketball more than you're letting on here, man. And he goes, oh, I love college basketball. He goes, I just, I, I can't talk about it every day. Because the NFL and the NBA matter more. And he goes, but just because I don't talk college basketball every day doesn't mean that especially the NCAA tournament isn't an incredible event for college basketball. And he said something that stuck with me, and he said something that, that I've thought of the last couple weeks when it comes to college baseball. What he said was, and I love this quote, he said, everything is not everything. And what that means is that not everything is for everyone at every exact moment, right? The example that he used, he said, New Orleans is a beautiful city. I wouldn't want to live there 365 days a year and this is no disrespect to the people in New Orleans. But for like two weeks a year in Mardi Gras, it is the place to be. It is the center of the universe. It is awesome. It's the same with college basketball during the NCAA tournament. No, most people aren't studying Iowa film on a Tuesday night in June. But it doesn't mean for three weeks in the NCAA tournament, it's not the greatest sporting event going. And I do kind of wonder if we're starting to get there with college baseball. First of all, I would say this. I was in Vegas last weekend, and I know I talked about it with Phil Elson last week. College baseball, especially at tournament time, is an imminent, imminently watchable sport. It was mind-boggling to me, and I, I don't think I just ever really realized it. It was mind-boggling to me. The game started at 11 a.m. Eastern, so that's 8 a.m. Pacific, and they basically go all day. It's got an NCAA tournament basketball vibe where it's just one game after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other, where you're watching and you're watching and you're watching and one game ends and it automatically goes to the next one and this game ends in the craziest fashion ever and it could never get better. And then it does it. You're like, how? And then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, I've been in front of the TV for 12 hours. Like, like that's college baseball. That was me in the sports book the other night. And what's great about it is it's, it's all hours of the day. The, the games are going. The games are competitive. The games are exciting. They start early. They bleed one into another, a lot like the NCAA basketball tournament. And you look up and you're like, what, what just happened? I mean, it, it blew me away. I was in the sports book during game two of the NBA finals. So this was last Sunday, not yesterday, but two Sundays ago. That game ends at about 10, 1030 Eastern. There are still three college baseball games going on. Stanford was still playing. Oregon State was still playing. And I forget who else was still playing. And so you have the games going all day. And then that Monday, I will say this, that Monday of the college baseball regionals, so this was, again, not today, obviously, but last Monday, when you had eight, nine t games fighting to go to re eight, eight, nine games with the winners going to the super regionals, I'll tell you, I thought that was about as exciting of a day in sports as we've had in a long time. And I'll also say this. I do think that was the first time that I really felt like college baseball kind of went mainstream. And I know some of you probably disagree. You know, I've been watching college baseball for 30 years and tours. Just because you got into it doesn't mean that we haven't been watching all along. But last Monday was the first day that I just felt like, man, people are really invested in this sport. It wasn't just you know, the, a couple SEC teams, but, but you go back to last Monday, think about that UConn-Maryland game, that crazy play at first base. That was like a mainstream talking point the next day. I was turning on national sports talk radio. One of the big barstool shows was talking about it. It was a crazy play that everybody was talking about, and it came from a UConn-Maryland baseball game. The Stanford finish was unbelievable 
last Sunday, last Monday night, three straight runs to advance to the Super Regionals. Three runs scored in the bottom of the ninth. They were down, I think, four to two. They win five to four. They were down three to one and win four to three. That Oklahoma State Arkansas game was crazy. And it really felt like last Monday was the first time that college baseball was really mainstream. There was no NBA Finals. I think there was pretty limited uh, NHL hockey. And it just felt like, man, everybody is watching college baseball. Everybody's having a great time. And the one thing also that I think makes it underrated is the environments. I mean, imagine if the NCAA basketball tournament, if instead of playing in these sterile, boring NBA arenas in wherever, Portland and Spokane and Sacramento and whatever, imagine if we were playing them on home courts. Imagine if we were playing NCAA tournament games at Cameron Indoor or the Dean Dome or Bud Walton or Rupp Arena or the, the Yum Center or FedEx Forum or wherever. Well, that's what you get with college baseball. I mean, some of these environments have been incredible. The Maryland, I didn't even know, I know this is cliche. I didn't even know Maryland played baseball. And their regional game against UConn was unbelievable. Tennessee was awesome this week. I know it didn't work out, but that site was awesome. That Oklahoma State regional where Arkansas went in and won, that was unbelievable too. And so I just bring it up to say, I don't want to belabor the point. But you take the urgency of the, of the NCAA tournament. You take the, uh, the, the nature of the schedule. You take the home field advantage for the higher-ranked teams. I think this sport is only going to continue to blow up. By the way, this all obviously continued this weekend at the Super Regionals in Chapel Hill and um, Oregon State and uh, you know wherever, uh, whatever, Tennessee, Knoxville, Southern Miss. I think it's only going to continue to grow. First of all, I had a couple of you reach out and say, Torres, you got to run a college baseball bracket next year. And I think as this thing continues to grow, if we can get a bracket going, as gambling picks up, I think this sport is going to continue to be mainstream. Because here's the thing, right? What makes March Madness March Madness? There's really not that much going on. NFL season's done. NFL playoffs are done. Draft season hasn't started up yet. The NBA playoffs haven't started up yet. That's part of what makes March Madness March Madness. And I think we can get there with college baseball because outside of a couple nights a year in June, there isn't all that much going on in sports. And so I'm done talking college baseball, even though I love this freaking sport. But I'll just tell you, this year, I really felt like more than any other, it's starting to get mainstream. And more than any other year, I believe that college baseball, because of the structure, because of the way it's set up, like college basketball, weekends, home venues. That's not like college basketball. But you get the point. The schedule, all day, every day, one game bleeds into another. I believe this sport is the most underrated sport in, in, in American sports, and I believe it's only going to keep growing. All right, so what I want to do. I want to take a quick break. Thank you guys for uh, giving me my, my day for college baseball because, boy, oh, boy, I clearly have loved talking college baseball. So what I want to do, I'm going to take a quick break. I am going to come back, and when I do, we're going to actually switch to the NBA draft. I've been getting a lot of questions about Shaden Sharp, international man of mystery, was at Kentucky, left Kentucky, never played a second at Kentucky. Would I draft him? Some of you have asked me, and I'm going to answer that next. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, the NBA Finals are here. DraftKings Sportsbook, our good friends. Incredible offer for first-time users. And I, I know I say it's an incredible offer all the time. This one is unbelievable. First-time users, DraftKings Sportsbook, here's the deal. Bet $5 on either Golden State or Boston. Doesn't matter which one. Bet $5, money line bet, as soon as you make the bet, DraftKings give you, gives you $150 free bets guaranteed. Doesn't matter if the bet wins, loses, you bet $5, they give you $150 of guaranteed free bets. Again, it's the best offer going. Here's how you sign up. Click the link in the show description and sign up for a new account with DraftKings Sportsbook and make your first deposit. Make a $5 bet on either team. 
And whether that team wins or not, it does not matter. You get an automatic $150 thanks to our friends at DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook. It is the best offer going in sports betting. So go ahead and act now. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-9-WITHIN in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, or call or text Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Must be 21 plus or over to enter, 18 plus or over in Wyoming, Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, Louisiana, New York only. Minimum $5 deposit, minimum $5 wager. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full terms and conditions. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Thank you again to our partners, DraftKings, DraftKings Sportsbook. As I just told you, unbelievable offer via DraftKings Sportsbook. Bet $5 on any team. Doesn't matter if they win or lose. You get $150 in free bets. I mean, you talk about an unbelievable deal. Obviously, first-time users only. But still, unbelievable deal. Thanks again to DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook. With that said, I do want to sort of switch gears. Not really, because I just mentioned NBA Finals are here. Uh, DraftKings has an unbelievable deal. But what's wild is, I don't think a lot of people have kind of contextualized. We're down to three basketball games the rest of the year, and then we got no basketball for a very long time. Obviously, game five is going to be tonight, Monday night. Game six will be on Thursday. And then if there is a game seven, it'll be on Sunday. And then basketball season is over. But even if we get a game seven, you know what else is next week? The NBA draft. Hard to believe the NBA draft, it feels like for a certain segment of the basketball population, like the NBA draft, full speed ahead, everybody's talking about it. I do think in coming years, AT Media, myself, some of the guys that work with me will cover the draft more extensively. But they're just, it's going to sneak up on us. The NBA draft is on its way. We are, again, about 10 days away from the NBA draft. And I will say this, more than any question about the NBA draft, I'm actually getting one question more than any other. And it has nothing to do with the number one pick, and it has nothing to do with Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren or Paolo Bancaro. It has to do, instead, with the international man of mystery that literally no one knows anything about and no one is quite sure what to make of, and that is Shaden Sharp. And more than any other question, I continue to get asked about Shaden Sharp. Would you draft him? Would you not? Where would you draft him? How high would you draft him? Are you worried about the fact? There are a million questions about Shaden Sharp, but the number one question that I've gotten in draft season is, Torres, if you were an NBA GM, would you draft him? Some people are talking about him as high as number four. Some people are talking about him falling a little bit deeper in the draft. So let's get into it because I think it's the most fascinating question of the draft. As a little bit of backstory, I think everybody knows the Shaden Sharp deal at this point. But I will say it is one of the most fascinating stories that I can ever remember in covering basketball, the draft, you name it in general. This was the kid. We talked about him a lot on this show. So for those of you who listen to this show regularly, I apologize that we just keep talking about this kid. But I think everybody kind of remembers the deal at this point. But the number one high school player in the class of 2022 really had a great summer last year, ascended to the number one spot. In September, commits to Kentucky. Um, And it really is the cornerstone of what is expected to be a top two, top three recruiting class in all of college basketball. Then just a few weeks after that, he announces, oh, 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 wait a second now. I know I was the number one player in the class of 2022, but I am going to reclassify and show up at Kentucky and play this year. Now, the idea behind it, the idea that was shared publicly by his team and the people that are around him was that he was not going to play this year. He was going to spend all of this year training and that he was going to prepare for the 2022-2023 season where he would likely be the face of, if not one of the two faces, along with Oscar Shibway, excuse me, still got a little tickle in my throat here, of the number one team in college basketball. Just one problem. After showing up at Kentucky, after not playing a single minute, all of a sudden, in the middle of the spring... A document shows up 
showing that he actually graduated from high school last year, which makes him eligible for this NBA draft. And because of it, he announced that he is going to enter the NBA draft without playing a single second of basketball at Kentucky. And that is why he has instantaneously become the single most fascinating player in this NBA draft. It's because literally no one knows anything about him. One, he really hasn't played all that many competitive games really on any sort of major stage. Again, he was a late-blooming prospect in the class of 2022, reclassifies, doesn't play high school basketball this year, so he doesn't even go through the all-star circuit with the McDonald's game and the Jordan you know, brand classic and the Hoop Summit and all that. Then he goes to college and doesn't play there either. So every, you know, we as draft analysts, you as fans, but also NBA front offices have nothing else to go off of other than a couple YouTube tapes. But then on top of that, this is the part that's especially crazy. Not only has he not played, because he was kind of protected from the media at Kentucky for obvious reasons, I don't blame him as much as the adults around him, and not the adults like John Calipari, the adults in, in his inner circle. We don't even know why he didn't play. Like, that's the crazy part. It's one thing if he just didn't play. But we don't even know why he didn't play. Did he want to play and Kentucky didn't let him? Did he want to play and the adults around him didn't want him to play? Did he not want to play? Is he afraid of the competition? Uh, did he not feel that he was ready? Was he protecting his draft stock? There are a million reasons, and nobody knows anything. And I'll say this. I was at the Pangos All-American camp last week. For people who don't know, it's one of the top high school events in all of high school and, and, and AAU basketball. NBA scouts are allowed there. And like I said, they have as many questions about this kid as you do. I think we all think that, you know, myself as a pseudo-media member, you guys as fans, well, the NBA must know the truth. The NBA has no idea either, and what I would say about Shaden Sharp definitively, I know there's some real buzz that he could go as high as number four in this draft to the Sacramento Kings, who are currently projected in the four spot. They could always trade out. I will tell you from being at Pango's camp with a bunch of NBA people, there are a lot more questions publicly from the NBA side of things than I think a lot of people realize. Again, it's not just us that have questions. It's NBA people as well, and I could see the scenario where people just say, you know what, I'm not taking a chance on this kid. I know nothing about him. I don't know if he wants to compete. I don't, know how t I don't even know how good that he is, why he didn't play. I'm going to let somebody else take a chance on him. I don't think he's falling number 25, but I could see the scenario where he falls to 9, 10, 11, 12. And so it goes back to the fundamental question, would you draft him, Aaron? And I think it's complicated, right? It's like the old Facebook status. It's complicated. There isn't a definitive yes or no. There isn't a definitive like Paulo Bancaro, like Jabari Smith in the NFL, like Aiden Hutchinson. Like, like, like it's not just a simple yes or no question. Because what I would say is like, on the one hand, the talent is unquestionably there. If you've never seen film of this kid, I mean, he is absolutely just a phenomenal physical freak of all physical freaks when it comes to basketball. Six foot five, six foot six, can beat people off the dribble, can attack the rim. Great, you know, looking three point shot. We don't know how it translates to a game. Smooth shots. I mean, I'm talking 1% of 1% of 1% as an athlete. And the thing about the NBA, which we all know, nobody drafts a finished product. Nobody drafts a guy expecting the guy to come in and be everything that he is ever going to be in year one or year two. And so if you believe in that talent, then I don't see a problem with drafting him at four, drafting him at five, drafting him at six, because the upside is as good as anybody that is available in this draft. And we all know at the end of the day, the NBA draft is all about talent. It's all about upside. It's all about what an organization believes that they can build you into. But what I would also say is, like I said, it's complicated. It's not as simple as just, well, he's got a lot of upside. Let's take a chance on him. Because what I think NBA team and what I know NBA teams are trying to figure out right now is what's between the ears and what are you getting if you draft this kid when he shows up? First of all, it is worth noting, 
even before this fiasco over the last couple months, shows up at Kentucky, says he's going to play, says he's not going to play, says he's coming back for 2022-2023, even before all that, I can tell you that there were questions about this kid's motor the second that he got to campus. Now, I am not as big of a, you know, if a guy doesn't have a motor in high school, just, just throw him to the scrap heap and give up on him. Because I do think some guys are so naturally gifted at the high school level that they do get bored. I mean, I remember seeing DeAndre Ayton in high school, and the problem with him, the knock on him at the time, was that he had no motor. Then he goes to Arizona. He's playing against much better competition, and he is just a physical freak, you know, blocking shots, rim running. Um, you know, Arizona, by the, by the time of uh, the year that he was there, by the end of the year, they were maybe the best team in the country, even though they lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And so I'm not a big, like, well, he has no motor. He doesn't care. Like, I do think sometimes guys are so physically gifted that they get bored. But I will say Shane Sharp's a little bit different. I mean, DeAndre Ayton played a full year of college basketball, put Arizona on his back, led him to a Pac-12, I believe, regular season title, certainly a Pac-12 championship. They were one of the probably the two, three best teams in the country, even though they lost early in the tournament. And I think, to me, that's where it gets interesting with Shaden Sharp and why this is complicated. I don't think there's a definitive... You can't draft him before here, or if he falls to you, you have to draft him here. I think what it takes is you better have some really smart people in your front office, and if you get one-on-one -on -one time with him, you better ask some really tough questions. Remember, the, the NBA, combine, NBA draft combine was about three weeks ago in Chicago, and I will tell you this. If I was a GM that was potentially in position to draft Shaden Sharp, I would have the most aggressive line of questioning for him that I possibly could. First of all, why didn't you play? What happened there? Was it Cal's fault? Was it your parents' fault? Did people not want you to jump in in the middle of a season? Did they not want you to jump in in the middle of the game? Was there a moment in time where you believed that you were going to play and someone decided it was not in your best interest? Did you decide it was not in your best interest? And by the way, I'll defend Shane Sharp. There are good reasons why he couldn't or shouldn't have played this past year that could have to do with him and a decision that he made. I mean, I do understand the idea of protecting your draft stock. I do understand the idea of not being physically ready, not being emotionally ready, not being a guy who shows up in January and gets thrown into the fire in the SEC when your teammates have been together playing together since the previous May. I mean, the 2021-2022 Kentucky basketball team reported to campus at this time last year. And so I understand if Shane Sharp just said, look, they had a good thing going. Yes, there were some injuries, but we knew everybody was coming back. I just felt like it wasn't in my best interest. But again, if I'm an NBA team, why didn't you play? Was that your decision? Was it Calipari's decision? We hear it's not Calipari's decision, so it must have been yours. Was it the adults in your life? Oh, by the way, who were those adults? We all know of the stories of the, the famed AAU coach that kind of was pulling the strings behind the scenes, Dwayne Washington. Was he the guy? I need answers. I need to know right now. And oh, by the way, how involved is he going to be? If we send you down to the G League, are you not playing there? If we bring you off the bench, are you not playing there? Are you only playing if you're guaranteed a certain amount of minutes? What role is this guy going to have? Like, these are the questions that NBA teams are asking right now, and this is why I believe this is the most fascinating prospect in the NBA draft. Because he might have the highest upside of anybody, but we literally don't know anything. We've never seen a scenario quite like this before. We've seen guys not play. We've seen guys coming off injuries. We've seen guys even, you know, last year with Jalen Johnson at Duke opted out of the season. But that was late in the year. That was when he had already put together enough of a resume where it, it was what it was at that point. It was COVID. It was different. This year, this kid shows up. There's reports that he wanted to play, that Calipari wanted to play him, that, his fam that, that the, the, the adults around him wouldn't let him. And so that is why this is so fascinating because, one, we have no film on him at all. We have no idea what happened, but we also don't know why he didn't play. Was it his decision? Was it Calipari's? Was it the adults in his life? Were they protecting his draft stock? Did they not feel that he was ready? Did they not feel that he was the right fit? Did they really believe at any point that they were actually coming back for the 2022-2023 season? And to reiterate, and we'll get out of here on this, I just want to reiterate to you guys and girls. I'm telling you, I talked to NBA people last week. It's not just me as, as, as a, a lover of college basketball in the NBA draft 
It's not just you guys as fans that followed him in college. It's not just you guys as fans that may have interest in him as a prospect that your team would draft. It's NBA people that are asking these questions as well and trying to get answers of these questions as well. My guess is that John Calipari's phone is blowing up off the hook this week. And I'd be very curious to, <laughs> I'd love to, you know, you talk about those old FBI wiretaps. I'd love to get a wiretap on Calipari's phone and see what he really has to say about the Shaden Sharp deal. It is fascinating. But when I tell you that me, you, fans are not the only people that are trying to get to the bottom of this, I guarantee you there are a lot of people in NBA circles that are trying to get to the bottom of this as well. Whew, what an episode. You know, for mid-June, we should not have so much to talk about, yet we do. So with that said, I am going to get out of here. I do want to thank you guys and girls for listening to today's episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Do hope you enjoyed the college baseball as much as I did. If not, I hope it was at least an interesting conversation. We'll get back to more football, more basketball, NBA playoffs, uh, NBA draft next, uh, next episode. But really fun episode, and I appreciate your guys' support. And I'll tell you this, too. If you're a college football guy or girl, it's coming. I mean, we're going to start this week with, like, literally, you know, biggest week one games, breakout stories, all this, all that. We got a lot of college football coming your way. It's coming 12 weeks away, I believe, is what it is, 12 Saturdays from now. We will have major college football, and I want to thank you guys and girls for your support. If you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are, in fact, subscribed to the podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure that you're also following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. I am going to get out of here. I want to thank you all for your support. With that said, it's time for me to go. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, UF head. Unblock me, dude. I'll be back on Wednesday with a new episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.